Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. This series, some about a new life. Yes, exactly. We've been in a series called New Life. David got it 100%, something about new life. That's it. Basically, we've been talking ever since Easter, right? Jesus died, rose again, and we rose again with him. Our sin nature died dead with Jesus, right? And we rose again into this new life. A lot of times, though, Christianity, we stop right there. We're like, and I was born again. I'm going to heaven when I die. Yay. And then we just kind of, that's it. Made it, you know, right? But there's so much more, right? Uh, if, if that was the whole point, then it probably would have just ended on the gospels and then that's kind of done, right? But there's all these other books saying how to live the Christian life. What does it look like to walk in this new life, right? And Dominic and Lizzie spoke last week and they brought an amazing word just giving it all, surrendering all, pouring it all out, right? Living a holy life for Jesus. So good. Get it on the Crux Cast. You guys know about the Crux Cast? Go to the, yep, we have a podcast uploaded every week called the Crux Cast. You should listen to it, okay? So anyway, but tonight uh, I wanted to talk because I'm thinking, okay, we're going into summer. We are looking at, some people go home for the summer. We're taking some break. You know, people travel, all this stuff. A lot of times, I don't know about you, but when I was doing college and when I was just kind of younger, Every summer, I just kind of fell into like a hobo mode, you know, where I just kind of like got lazy and just it's summer and I'm just going to kind of do my thing. Have you guys ever experienced that before, right? Yeah. And so I'm thinking, okay, how do we set ourselves up for success this summer? Summer's not a time to, to check out. A lot of times we check out of everything. And then, because it's summer, yay, it's time to rest, but we can check out of God, right? And we're like, no, I don't want that. So how do we stay on fire for Jesus all throughout, right? all throughout life. And so, hey, I turn with me to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. And as you are turning there in your Bibles or on your phones, right, uh, I'm going to share a story with you. How many of you guys have heard the story of when my, my car ran out of oil and smoke came up everywhere and all that stuff? Oh, okay, cool. Only a couple of you. Yes. Okay, great. So Dominic and I and my friend George, we were hanging out and we basically, uh, it was like a late night, we were going to Denny's or something like that, right? And we were all going to go over to Dominic's house afterwards, and we're driving right on the 78, okay? And we, I don't know if you guys know where Emerald is, but we were getting off, I was getting off on Emerald, it was like midnight, okay? And I'm getting off, and I'm just <laughs> going, and all of a sudden, my car just like, the, the, every light on the dashboard goes on, right? And it seizes up where I can't steer it. And, uh, and it just basically just, everything dies. It's like, right? And, and I'm, oh man, and, so, and it's going up that emerald hill. So it kind of roll up the hill. And it, before it rolls down, I just pull the e-brake, stop. And there's smoke just starts billowing out of the engine, right? And I'm thinking, this thing's catching on fire. Like, I don't know, I don't know what's going to go. I, in that moment, I had named my car. It was a Honda Civic. It was my first car. 2006 Honda Civic. I named him Levi, right? Because the, the Levites in the Bible carried the presence of God and, uh, and they like ministered God and I would play worship music in there. So I was like, I want to name my car Levi. He was also blue and my friend called him Leviathan. So it was short for Leviathan. So he's kind of like this priestly sea monster kind of a car. It was like the goal we were going for. So I'm like, no, Levi, no, right? And smoke's coming up out of the car. And I get out of the car. I don't know what to do, right? So, but you open up the hood maybe. So I just open up the hood and smoke's going everywhere. I don't know what's going on. Right then, it's midnight. Dominic pulls up behind me. He's just like, Taylor? <laughs> what? 
what happened to your car? I'm like, I don't know. It's <laughs> just smoking. And then our other friend, George, pulls up as well. He's like, Dominic, Taylor, what are you doing? Right? And we say, we have to, we're, in the, we're on the freeway off-ramp. So we're saying, we need to get this out of here. So luckily, God is so good. He put it, he let it happen right in the perfect spot, right? There's a, like, an overnight parking spot just around the corner. And so we are pushing the car the three of us get out, push the car up the off-ramp around the corner, and then it was one of those stoplights that would take your photo on a ticket. So I'm like, no, stop the car. And it's red light. And then right when it goes green, we're like, go, 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 go. Now I wish we ran the red light because I would have gotten a photo of us pushing a car through a red light. That would have been worth it, I think, right? But we, but we, but we didn't do it. We, we followed the lights, right? We push it around. We get it. We, lay it, we stay it overnight. Next morning, we come out. It's like 7 in the morning traffic. That road is crazy. So much traffic right in the morning. And we're basically, okay, go. And we're pushing the car through traffic going both ways. People are honking at us. We're pushing the car. Because on the other side of the gas station, there's a mechanic. So then we're pushing it through. We get it in the mechanic. And he literally writes on the paper, you know, how did client get the car in? He said, friends push car in from road, <laughs> right? That's how you got it here? Yeah, we, we literally pushed it here, right? So we get in. They look at my car. I don't know what's going on. The mechanic calls me. And basically says, he's not very nice in this moment. He's kind of like, well, you were an idiot. You didn't put any oil in your car. And I, I said, what? Are you, what? what are you talking? I'm a little offended. I'm like, what are you talking about, right? I, I took it, and I got the oil change like a few days earlier. I took it to a place, got the oil change. I just did oil change. There's oil in the car. He says, there's no oil in your car. He said, I took out the little dipstick that reads the oil, and it literally was melted in half. Your engine was so hot, it melted the metal off and broke the thing in half. He said, your engine is fried, toasted, gone, right? You know, Levi died the way he lived, just on fire, you know? <laughs> and so, so basically, he, and I was so, he said, your car's totaled, man. There, the, we could put a new engine in it. It, it costs more than what the car's even worth. Your car's to, totaled. You did not have oil in your car, Right? And I was, I was, oh, I was so bummed, right? And I was, I was bummed. I had to go through some forgiveness for the people who changed my oil because they drained out all the oil and then they didn't put any in and they said, okay, your car's good. So I drove off and then that night it fried, right? So anyway, I forgave them. It's okay, it's okay, right? And I have a new car now. He's great, he's great, right? But I'll just remember Levi. I'm not gonna forget him. My new car's name is Buzz because he's an infinity and so infinity and beyond, right? So, and so anyway, anyway, so, Go with me, Matthew 25. You guys there? You got your fingers there? Yep. All right, perfect. I'm going to give you some context. Basically, back in Bible times, this, this is kind of the context of this passage is around uh, marriage. It's around a, a wedding ceremony, okay? And so during that time when there was a huge wedding ceremony, after the wedding ceremony would happen, they... They knew how to party back then. Let's just say that. They didn't have like a one night, let's do a wedding party that's super fun. We just had joined Julio's wedding. It was so fun, so amazing, right? Okay, their, their party ceremony was seven days. Okay, so imagine that for seven, six more days. <laughs> let's keep partying, right? That's, that's what the wedding was, okay? It was crazy. Anyone who thinks God is serious and boring, they did not look at the celebrations in the Bible because he said, no, 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 shut down work. You're partying for seven days. That's a law, right? That's, that's wild, okay? Right? So 
what would happen is they'd get married, they'd go have a big feast at the, the bride's father's house, and then there's this procession back to the groom's house. And what would happen is basically all the friends and family, they would go with them, kind of like when they drove away in the car, but imagine we all go with them to then go party at the groom's house, okay? And with their go, and there would be a guy going in front of them who'd be yelling out, behold, the groom is coming, Get ready to welcome him. He'd be shouting before him. He's coming, he's coming. And what would happen is there'd be a group of women, usually kind of think like the bridesmaids, kind of their job was they would be there at the house and they'd be ready and it'd be prepared and it would be nighttime by this time, okay? So they would have to have a bunch of lights, a bunch of lamps and lanterns welcoming the people in. And then the people would come in They'd go in, they'd sit down, start that party, and then they would shut the door and they would lock it and they would have guards out in front to make sure no one got in because, right? Because what they would do is they would say, everyone who's in here is supposed to be here and we're not gonna let anything disturb this wedding party. We're not gonna have anyone come in and disturb this, okay? So they would actually shut it down. If you didn't make it in, sorry, we're partying and we're not worrying about anything else, right? And so basically... What happened, that's the context, and you have to kind of understand that to know really more what this passage means, okay? So now, now you know the context we're jumping in. Here we go, Matthew 25. It says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to the bridegroom. These are the bridesmaids who are at his house, and we're supposed to prepare it for him to come back, okay? That's who they are. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. See, this was important because they didn't know when the wedding ceremony was going to be over and when to expect him. They just knew he's coming at night. The, the whole group's coming at night. That's why the people would go before him shouting he's coming so they could have everything ready, all right? So there's five of them say, well, we don't know when he's coming. Let's have extra oil for our lamps. There's no electricity, so they're burning the lamps, right? Let's have extra oil just in case he's delayed. The other group says, we're probably fine. We have enough oil. Let's just go with what we got, right? Verse five, when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, Man, they're doing parties all the way into midnight, and then that's when it's starting when he's coming. This is crazy. This is when it starts, right? Six o'clock at midnight, or six o'clock, verse six. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. So it had been burning all night. And when he was finally here, the five who were foolish and didn't enough, theirs was burning out. So like, hey, help a brother out or help a sister out, right? And they give me some of your oil. And they say, I don't have enough for you and me. I, I brought my own for this reason. You have to go buy some, right? Go get some, get some for yourself, right? But while, yeah, go to the local Walmart, right? So, but while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. They're like, let us in. He's like, I don't know you. <laughs> You're staying outside. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. 
The bridegroom comes, the party starts. They weren't locked out of a night. They were locked out of a seven-day feast, right? So, and he says, surely if you, were, if, you were my, if you were the bridesmaids, then you would have been here at the right time and you would have welcomed us in and been here before the door locked. The fact that you're not in that group means, I don't know who you are. You're not one of the bridesmaids apparently, right? He says, so no, you can't come in because you, you weren't ready. See, both this and my car story, kind of same analogy, same principle. Do you keep watch of your own oil? Do you live a life where you're always ready for God to move, always close to him? Or are we a part of the foolish group who takes the oil of our intimacy with God for granted? Uh, So often we think, well, it's the mechanic's job to tell me if I have enough oil. And yeah, it, it, it should have been, right? But if I had even just checked, I would still have my car. <laughs> I believe I would be all right, right? But I just said, no, it was his job. He's fine. I got it. We're good. If so often we think it's the mechanic's job to check my oil. We think it's the church's job, the pastor's job, my parents' job to make sure I'm good with God. And if I feel distance for God, I'm pro- I must not be getting fed at church right. And the oil of my intimacy, it's up to the church to feed me it. See, we have to take personal responsibility for our oil, for our intimacy, our connection with God. The oil of our relationship with Jesus has to become personal. It has to become your own. It it can't be something that is stuck with how you were raised. It cannot be something that was stuck with uh, the type of church you go to. It cannot be something that just stays on Sundays and on Thursdays. You see, so often we think we're good. We're moving on the freeway of life. We got so much else going on, right? We have friends, we have family, we have drama, we have relationships, we have work, we have all this stuff. And so we're just going, we're in a fast-paced, freeway-like culture, right? And then what we do is we just make a pit stop on Sundays or or on Thursdays, and they're good, but we kind of come in, and we just try to change the oil real quick. We just do our dues. We try to, in in, in two hours, dump out all the crud for the week, right? Get filled back up again by worship team and and church, and it's good. It's a a good thing. It's a quick oil change, and then we go out again, and we think we're good for like another week, right? Yeah, we treat church like Jiffy Lube, right? I'm just going to go in the fastest way, get it done, and get out, and I'm good for another week. And then what happens is something goes off in our week, or we're going, and we're burning oil faster than we thought we were, but we think, well, I'm good because I did my time on Sunday. I did my two hours on Thursday, so I must be good. And then what happens is uh, something goes on wrong, or maybe you go home for the summer so you're not at church, or maybe you go on vacation for a couple weeks and, 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 and you kind of fall out of the routine. And then all of a sudden, when you start to hit any little incline, it gets a little hard, then we have a meltdown. And we swing into exhaustion or depression or freak out or, I don't know, depending on the personality, we either swing into isolation, depression, or swing into, like, raging, you know, whatever. But, but we swing back and forth, right? And then, and then what happens is rather than checking the oil, we, just say, we try to get our community and our friends to just help us push the car, push our life, help me get it over this hill, right? And, and we think it's, it's their job, and it's good to have community, have community to help you push your life along, of course. But then what happens is it's almost like if we just kept saying, well, from now on, I'm just going to keep pushing my car with community. I'm still not going to get the oil checked. 
and eventually it's too heavy. And your community kind of says, dude, you got to change the oil. And then we get so mad that the community is not helping us push a car that we, we get rid of them and we try to find new people who can help us push our life. And we sever church and relationship and all this stuff. We try to look at all the other reasons it could be, and we never suspect it's because we ran out of oil. It's because I would have never guessed it was the oil. I would have been, I, I would have guessed it was anything else in the engine. Even though you cannot see it, the car is designed to run on oil. Even though you cannot see it, the lamps were designed to run on oil. Even though you cannot see it, you run on the intimacy of God. You run on connection and your oil is God. And you cannot see it until you have a meltdown. And then you look back and you say, apparently I didn't have any oil. See, often, oh man, instead of going to God, we just go to everything else. And the thing is, the first thing we have to check is the oil, the intimacy, connection with God. We blame the traffic. We blame the life. There's too many red lights in my life. There's things slowing me down. People aren't helping me push, right? There's, there's all this stuff in the way. There's all these other pressures. If all the outside things disappeared, then I would be fine. And, and no, not at all, <laughs> right? It's actually the inside if, if what's going on, the reason is the internal oil. You ran out of intimacy with God. You need to go back to the secret place. You've got to get filled again. See, burnout never comes from too much work. It only comes from too little intimacy. The minute your work surpasses your intimacy with God, you will start to burn out. And so it's not a work problem. It's an intimacy problem, Right? Sometimes I need to pay some work and cut some back so I can increase intimacy. But if you just pay work down and you don't increase the intimacy with God, you're still going to have the same issue. And you're going to be capped your whole life right there, right? Because you have to increase your time with God. The busier I get, the more time I'm spending in the secret place with God. I can't afford not to. If you feel burned out in life because your outer work, it's actually because of your inner oil. You have to stay inspired, stay intimate with God. And I promise you, you're going to burn forever. It, it, oh, man, if you're not more in love with God today than you were a year ago, you've already begun to burn out. You've got to pull over, get the oil back. So many people, what happens is they start to burn out. And they see, they look at old versions of themselves and they see someone who wasn't as zealous. But rather than saying, what changed? I need to like increase my intimacy again. They just say, I've matured. And they justify lack of fire by saying it's maturity. And they're not as zealous as they once were. And you hear all these 50-year-olds, 60-year-old seniors, and I've ta they've talked to me. I remember my glory days when I was on fire for the Lord. <laughs> right? And you're like, what? No. My Bible says glory to glory to glory to glory to glory, right? You don't, oh man, lack of fire is not a sign of maturity. And, and what happens is the zeal goes away and we justify it by saying, well, I'm just, it's deeper now. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm running on commitment, which is good, of course. I don't run on feelings. I run on commitment. If I didn't feel goosebump from God for the rest of my days, I would still stay committed, right? 
That's, I'm in this for the commitment of God. I'm married to him, right? I get, I get that. And you're going to have seasons where you go up and, up and down. But it's an overarching, am I on fire for the Lord, right? If, if uh, well, I'm looking at the married couples, Dom and Emily and Julio and Joy, right? If, if they were just like, well, you know, we, uh, we just don't really have feelings like the same. We don't really have feelings for each other anymore. We're just running on commitment. We're mature now as a married couple. You're like, wow, that's, that's rough. You mean you fall out of love and you just stay committed forever, but you're out of love? I mean, I honor that you're committed, of course. But what? No, what I love about them, and, and I, I've seen moments where I ask them to hang out, and they say, no, we have a date night that night. They make time as a married couple to go on date night, right? You have to make time to keep the passion and the love going, right? And, and what happens is there's too many couples who just become roommates. And they're there because of commitment. But oh, would we never be roommates with God? Would he never just have a space in my heart and that's about it? And we're renting, we're kind of sharing this heart. And he has space here, but we're not really connecting. I'm committed though. Going to heaven when I die. <laughs> right? No, no. You have to make these date night moments with you and God alone. Do you know how to prepare your own oil? Or are you dependent on others giving it to you? If there was never a sermon, if there was never a worship set, if there was never crux or church or anything like that again, you're stuck on an island for the rest of your life, can you still prepare your own oil? and keep burning for God. Tomorrow you wake up, you got to make fresh oil again. The lamps looked identical on the outside, and no one could tell how much oil was in them until one burned out. And I've seen way too many Christians who are more gifted than I, talented I, uh, anointed than I, and they burned out, and they don't even really believe in God anymore. Because they didn't, they had an amazing gifting, and they burned bright, but they didn't feed their oil, their intimacy with God, and they became embittered, and they gave it all up. I've seen it time and time again, and I want us as the crux. I want us, this church, oh, man, to be people who burn for a lifetime. The bridesmaids said, give me your oil, and they couldn't. I cannot give you my intimacy with God. I can let you see it burn, but I cannot give it to you. There's something you can't borrow. You have to get it yourself. And so... How do we stay on fire? I could do just like a, a teachy sermon where I just tell you how to stay on fire and it's knowledge and you say, oh, that's good. And we take notes and then we move on. And we have another one for the books of good notes of what a formula of what I should do, right? And I'm sure there's fruit in that. There definitely is fruit in that. But tonight, I, said, I just want to say, let's do it. I want to show you what it looks like to burn alone for God and keep your fire burning so that you can get it too and go off alone and do it. And so, the, so we're going to do things a little bit different for the rest of the time. Uh, number one, the first thing you need, I think it's just the absolute priority you have to have is worship in your life. I love worship here on stage. It's amazing. There's, there's an anointing with corporate worship. You shouldn't be alone in worship forever, right? Corporate worship's powerful. But you have to have your personal worship moments with God alone, you and him, right? And so when you worship God, it's not just like listening to music. It's engaging my heart, my body, my mind, focus, everything on just adoring him, 
loving him. And it keeps your intimacy with him alive, right? If you don't like worship, you're going to have a hard time in heaven because it's booming with worship <laughs> forever. So get it now in your heart. And so worship, what happens is a lot of times we just kind of sit there and worship and just like, right? And we just kind of sing a little bit with the song. What we do is we, we don't respond with our body until our heart first feels it. We're just like, well, my body will, I'll raise my hand if I feel like raising my hands. What happens is it's backwards. Your heart will follow your body. So the Bible says, lift up your hands unto the Lord. So in faith, I activate it, whether I feel like it or not, and I lift up my hands. And then also my heart's like, oh, oh, we're, we're lifting our hands and we're praising God, right? And my heart starts to feel it, right? I'm like, oh, I feel better now. It's like when you don't want to go to the gym and then you do, and you're like, okay, that was probably good, right? <laughs> Same thing. Or, or the Bible says, get on your knees and bow before the Lord. So in faith, you'll see me up here on my knees, bowing before God. I don't feel a thing. But I, I get on my knees. I'm just like, God, I'm bowing before you. And then also my heart's like, oh my gosh, he's so amazing. And my heart starts to like engage. Because your heart follows what your body's doing. When it says, sing a new song unto the Lord, shout unto the Lord, right? And they say, lift up a shout to God. And we're like, yay. Woo. Clap offering, yay, right? <laughs> right? But when you shout, and you're like, I don't feel a thing. But yeah, your heart all of a sudden's like, oh, yeah, right? And your heart starts to follow it. Your heart will follow the faith of you choosing to engage in an action first. If you want to feel God more in worship, then show it. Position yourself to receive and feel him in worship. And if I don't feel him and I did all that, whatever, I still worshiped him. But still, he deserves it, and I'm doing it in faith. So we're going to take a moment, and I just I want to worship God. And we're going to do it. We're going to worship him. And, and a lot of times, too, people do this. I love soaky times. You need times to soak. But a lot of times, people will do this for their worship person time, Lord. They'll just lay on the ground and they'll fall asleep, which is okay in certain moments. But if that's every time, you know, it's like every conversation you're having with your wife that's intimate, you fall asleep, right? And it's like, there's a moment where she's like, okay, that's okay. And it's cute sometimes. But like, come on, right? <laughs> right? Don't I interest you at all? Like, there's moments with God where you, you sometimes you need to lay down and go before the Lord. Other times, I need to stand up and pace, because I'll fall asleep if I don't, right? <laughs> and I just need to, and I need to, because it engages me and keeps me focused. You just get in the position that keeps you focused and keeps you giving it out to the Lord. Does that make sense? So some of you, it's bowing, some of you, it's raising your hands, some of you, it's standing and pacing, some of you, it's jumping, right? Whatever it is, respond the way you need to stay focused and give him worship. Does that make sense? Okay, so this is step one. We're not even going to step two until we do this for a few minutes because I want to show you what it's like to just burn, even when there's nothing. I do this alone in my room. I do this in my car. I just pace in my room. I wait till Joel goes to work, and then when Joel's gone, I would just pace in my room, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, right? And then I just pace in my room, and I just worship God alone, right? Or in my car, right? I'm one-handed, and I just lift my hand. It's probably dangerous. No, I'll pull over, park, and just start crying and lift my hands to the Lord, right? Jesus, take the wheel, right? <laughs> so... Okay, let, let's just take a moment, and we're just going to do it. And so you can move right now. I want to challenge you. Do something to get your body in alignment with worship. So you can get on your knees. You can lift your hands. You can stand. You can pace. You can do whatever. But, but align, align your body with what you need to do to connect with him. Don't just, don't just check out. Check into him. Connect. Connect. Posture yourself. Raise your hands. Get on your knees. Lay down whatever you need to do, 
just please don't just stand still like, and I just wait. And you can turn on music or, or not, but sometimes you don't have the music. And sometimes it's not about the music. Music's a tool for worship. It's not, it's not the worship. We're worshiping him. And so, no, no, turn the music off. Turn the music off. No music. <laughs> Just to say, no music, no music. <laughs> I, want, I want to hear our voices singing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, God. We welcome you in this place, and, and we just long to worship. Holy, holy, are you, Lord God Almighty? in you as well. This is your next way to keep your oil burning. One is worship and adoration. The other is the word of God and prayer. So often we study the word, which is good. You should study the word. You should, you should learn it. But it really is this love letter of God given on your behalf so that you understand love. And, and when you have, a, when you have a, a love letter that was written to you, first you read it for your heart, then you probably reread it a million times, like, what did he mean in that moment? What did she mean? What is that? dot, dot, dot mean, you know, right? But first you read it, it's a heart thing, and then, then you connect with your head and say, okay, what's this actually mean, right? But so with the scripture, a lot of times we just jump to the head and we never connect the heart. And so the way that you can keep the intimacy connection in your heart between you and him is really make it personal, turn the verse, take it off the page, put it in your own words and pray it back to him. So, so you read the scripture, and a lot of times I do this every day in my room. I read the scripture, and the minute I feel my heart tug, I stop, and I start to pray out whatever I just read to God. I don't just read it to get my one-chapter quota done and move on, right? No, I read it so my heart connects. So if I read one line, and then I pray for 40 minutes off that line, that was my one verse for the day. It's okay. I didn't meet my chapter quota. That's fine, but I connected with God. Otherwise, we read it like homework, and we check it off, and we move on. And we never really filled our oil lamp. We just, we were walking in religion and performance, thinking I'm good because I went there, not because I actually connected, right? And so this, I'm going to show you an example. Some practicals for prayer and for reading the word of God. Just so, uh, I always pray out loud. Just a practical. You don't have to. Bible doesn't say you have to. I do because if I don't, my brain trains off into a million other things. This morning it happened. I was starting devotional and then I was thinking about Avengers Endgame for like 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden I was like, I thought I was in my devotional. What happened, right? And I realized it's because I'm thinking up here and my brain somehow trained. I don't even know how I got there and I'm thinking about Avengers now, right? So, but when you pray out loud, what happens is it turns that off in your brain and your brain connects with what you're saying. And the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. So when you speak out, a verse or you speak out your prayer, you speak out, there's a connection that happens with your heart and your brain and you'll find you'll stay more focused. A lot of times what I do is once again, if I'm falling asleep, because we, we, well, a lot of times we pray, we lay down, close your eyes and we think pray and then we fall asleep, right? So if you really want to focus and engage, I pray out loud and once again, I either get on my knees or I stand or I pace or I do whatever I need to do to stay engaged, right? Just like you were with a spouse, to stay engaged communicating with them, Right? And so I'm just going to show you how this works. We're going to do an example, Psalms 23. I'm going to do the first line or so, and then you're going to do the other lines, okay? 
and you're just, we're going to take time, and you can just pray them out on your own. Um, do we have that verse can we throw up there? Otherwise, I'll just read it. Perfect. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Stop. Don't move on to the next line yet. We read it, and we're like, cool, Nugget. He's a shepherd, apparently, and we move on. And we stop, right? No, no stop. We, no, we stop at that line and say, God, you're my shepherd. Lord, you guide me. God, I'm like one of those sheep. I just get lost all the time. Like, I need you to guide me. I need you to be my shepherd in this season, God. God, I'm so lost without you. Shepherd me right now, God. Be my shepherd. In you, I have all that I need. God, there's so many things in life I want, but really at the end of the day, you're all I need. God, you're all I need. Remove everything out of my life that, that is blocking me from needing you. God, you are all that I need. You're all that I want. You're everything to me, God. You're everything to me, God. You're everything. You're all that I need, God. I need you, shepherd. I need you right now. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm broken. I need a shepherd. I need you. You're all that I need. I just turned one line into a prayer that's filling my heart up with oil and intimacy with God and burning for him. And I could go off of that one line for a long time. But when I feel it lift, I move to the next line. And I, verse two, he leads, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. And I said, God, I need rest. God, lead me to the, the meadows of your presence. Take me to the streams, God. Uh, I need to rest. I need you, God. Right? And I start to connect it and pray it. So what we're going to do now is we're going to just put up, can, is there any way to put up multiple verses like the rest of the psalm? Uh, no? Yes? You can go one at a time. Every few, every few moments, just change it. And you guys look at it, read it, and then turn it into a prayer that you then speak out unto the Lord. Right? And I'll challenge you, stand up or get on your knees or whatever and speak it out loud. This part, just for prayer stuff, you can turn on some worship music in the back. I'm fine. I'm cool with that, right? Right? But we're going to spend some moment, and I'm trying to teach you how to simultaneously take the Word of God, get it in your life, and get it in your prayer language, and make it your own, not just a study book, but a personal connection point with God. Right? So we're going to take, I don't know, five minutes, ten minutes, we'll see. And we're just going to go line through this, and, and, and I want you to pray this out. Pray it out to the Lord with what you need right now in life. You see, guys, it's so much different than reading a verse and saying, well, that's a pretty poem. That was a nice psalm. And moving on. When you turn the word of God into your own personal prayer language. It changes things. It doesn't just get in your mind, it gets in your heart. And you'll find you'll actually remember it. Sometimes you try to memorize it and it's not sticking. But when you have prayed it as a prayer and you've shed tears over that thing, you remember it. I, I have this whole psalm memorized not because I just sat there and had to drill it in my head, because I prayed it day after day after day, and it got inside of me. 
This is how you keep your oil burning. This is how you keep your life on fire. Worship him in your own, own, own words, your own voice. Worship him. And stay in his word and pray it out before him. And I promise you, if you do those things, there was other things we were going to cover tonight, but whatever, we'll take up it the next week. <laughs> this is more important. If you stay in worship and you stay in prayer and you stay in the word of God, I promise you, you are not going to run out of oil. You're not going to run out of oil. And uh, oh, I long to see crux in 20 years, all of you still burning for Jesus and more on fire then than you are right now. Jesus should never be a memory of like a past time when you used to be on fire for him. If you remember a past time when you were more on fire than now, that means you, you, gotta, you gotta change something. Do not just say, I've matured out of it. Get oil again. Get on fire again. Keep your lamp burning for him. Thank you, God. So God, tonight... We love you, Lord. And we're officially done for the night, but I'm just going to keep worship music on, and you guys can stay here praying. We'll just keep uh, one of the verses up on the screen. Then you can just stay here praying. You can stay here worshiping in your own words, everything like that. If you guys want to talk and connect, that's fine. Maybe just go out to the lobby or something and connect. Let's just keep this place for all those who want to linger a little longer in this place of worship and connection and kind of getting oil, you know. Um, let's just keep it holy right now for the Lord, all right? But thank you so much for coming out tonight. Uh, we love you guys, and you can, you can lay on the seats. You can do whatever you need to do to just take time to get your oil filled up, okay? The Lord, I speak a blessing over every person in this room, Lord, and you know I've had seasons, oh, man, where I was on fire, and I've had seasons where I, it seems like I was in a drought and I was burning real dim. Um, but, God, through it all, you were faithful, and you kept lighting me on fire again. So I ask right now you would ignite every heart in this room for you, God, that you would ignite us once again that we would burn fresh for you. God, I ask that you'd break the lie that says that eventually we mature out of it. God, I ask that you'd break the lie that says I, I'm just not as, I'm just not, I'm not in that season anymore. Lord, break the lie and get us back on fire. Get us passionate for you once again. Show us what we have to do to just ignite it again, Lord. Pour your spirit out upon us fresh. We need you. We're desperate for you. We don't need another sermon or another logical thing that makes sense in our brain. We, we need a connection with your heart. So I just ask for fresh impartation, fresh connection, fresh baptism, your presence, your spirit over every person in this room tonight. I love them, and I know you love them even more than I ever could. So bless them. Be with them. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit SummitSanMarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.